There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Asking Robbins always finds out. I for the faster baby. Are you Tony Stank? I am Iron Man. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo. We got the whole crew back again. We got Peaches, we got Chris, we got Robbie, all here to talk about episodes 11 and 12 of Daredevil. You guys, we're reaching the end of Daredevil, and you know what that means? It means we're inching ever closer to WandaVision. Yeah, we are. Oh, boy. Very exciting. It's going to be lit. I oh, can't wait. Can't wait. So how are you guys doing? You guys ready to talk some, some Daredevil? Yeah. Well, I gotta... You know, it's funny. I've been raring to talk about these episodes, and now after watching them, I don't feel emotionally prepared to talk about these episodes. <laughs> They're really heavy. Man, yeah, like I, I, I have been chomping at the bit <laughs> especially for Soundlord to react to these through this whole whole mm. season of the podcast or whatever. And now now that we're here, I am unprepared. I legitimately, I, I watched episode 11 last night and I said, no, I'll watch episode 12 tomorrow uh, before we record. And I finish episode 12 and go, I have to record now? I am not in the mood. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm drinking an Irish cider in honor of our favorite Irish Catholic superhero and uh to help me forget so who's oh, catholic Saint paul what's that he's catholic i know they don't talk about it much uh what he, brand is that it's magners oh yeah. i thought it was guinness which i no. just learned today is also the same guinness of the guinness book of world records yes it is i have a yeah. guinness in the fridge but uh... that's super weird you know what else is weird is i michelin. saw another tweet similar to that that michelin yeah is a tire company and the same people that rate restaurants yeah. so i will yeah, say stars. i knew what? the michelin i knew the michelin thing pretty much my whole life and it's been blowing my mind to find out that other people didn't but it still doesn't make sense even when you know it <laughs> well if you think about it, they want people to buy tires so they put right. out these travel magazines and, and just like the guinness book of world records was designed to settle arguments in bars that's how i knew my parents had really those. My, yeah my parents had michelin guides when i was a kid so wait and that's both of those things made things make sense and i kind of like it and i kind of don't <laughs> i'm sorry if i if i ruined the mystery for you I no that... it's okay <laughs> i don't know if you saw the tweet that danny retweeted earlier today that said the restaurant gets a michelin star when the michelin man shows up to your restaurant and you defeat him in battle <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Do you know the Michelin man's name? Mitch? No, it's Bibendum. Oh. That's a, that's a... I hardly know him. <laughs> that didn't enrich my life in any way. No. Yeah, I don't know I don't know why that's a fact I know, but but there you go. I saw I saw this picture of a building. It's a it's a restaurant. It's a restaurant that is owned by Michelin, does not have a Michelin star, and it has like this big stained glass Michelin man on it, and it says in stained glass I'm above it, Bibendum. How do you not give yourself a Michelin star? I know you think that'd be easy, unless it's like how I can't enter a Starbucks contest because my stupid brother works there. 
Oh, is that you can't? No, I can't. No, I can't play those games. You missed that in the in the squad up chat earlier. Danny, you're not stupid. I'm sorry. I'm just upset because I didn't know I companies wanted to play are, these games until I found out I couldn't. Companies are weird like that. Like, um, because of... Oh, I don't know if I should even say this. Well, I remember I used to have oh. a job where I couldn't go on Jeopardy. Um, <laughs> or The Amazing Race. Company. Well, yeah. And... That's what I was going to say, so thanks. Yeah, because right. Amazing, they, because... Race, Amazing Race happened to Cat. Really? And Interesting. I think really? We didn't get that far, but we got far enough for her to realize, oh, wait, I can't do this. Yeah, and it's not even... Sometimes it's not even a company that's involved in the production. Sometimes they just happen to supply prizes sometimes. Right. I, I don't know... Soundlord remembers this. I don't know if you guys do. Last year, I did... I don't want to brag, but I did incredibly well at picking college football games. Like as oh, in yeah. very close to the best in the world at picking college football games. That's and true. we were doing it through a website that provides a very, very handsome cash prize for doing very well at picking college football games. I ended up one spot out of having to turn down that cash prize because of uh, the company I work for. But when we entered, that was not something that ever crossed my mind. Yeah. What a silly thing. Like, because yep. most of the time you can't do that because they just don't want to have any suspected collusion, right? Mm hmm. Right. And what if you I would have changed my No name collusion. Schmiffin. Yeah. Like, I would not. And I should also Schmiffin. add, Schmiffin. there was a week where I didn't pick a single game because I forgot. Had I picked that yeah. week, I probably would have finished in the money and so there I was remember definitely that point. week too i was so sad for you <laughs> there was a point well and i remember like at one point i was in the top thousand and we all thought wow that's cool and i remember waking up one day and another chris who's not on this podcast but who we all know i just woke up to a text from saying hey you're in the top 10 <laughs> and there was i got as high as three um but uh it was definitely there was a point that it's like oh god i'm just gonna have to say i can't i'm gonna have to quit and take this money or say i can't win this money or was it enough money to warrant quitting probably not but it was enough money to make me very sad yeah one time peaches and i were really close to winning some money and then the person forgot to put a magnet in the room and then suddenly peaches has not forgiven them till this day damn it why would you bring that back up (laughs) why would you bring that up here we could have had a hundred dollars oh man no, it was five hundred dollars. Wasn't it five hundred? Was it five hundred? I think it was. Oh, it's even worse. It's five times worse. I have to tell people this now. Yeah, tell yeah, the story. People already know. I think. Well, they would have had to listen like to squat up from nineteen ninety three to know this at this point. Oh, no, the classic there was, years. There was, yeah, you know the OGs. Yeah. There was an escape room that Eduardo and I and a, and a few other people did. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. and it was a, it was a, like Orlando's first like haunted themed escape room. And it came out around, uh, Thanksgiving. It came out like probably the beginning of October. They had a contest at this place that whoever had the fastest clear on that room before Halloween was going to win like a $500 prize or whatever. So we went in there. I had never failed an escape room at this point. Like, like me and a couple of other friends. Here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Me and a couple other friends like did escape rooms all the time. At one point, we had all of the escape rooms in Central Florida that we knew of completed. We were just checking them off as they were being released. And so we were really confident going in there, and the room was not reset up correctly from the previous group. So 
there were a couple things that were broken in the room and there was a key that was not put behind a locked like area. So all the, I'll do this quick. Cause I know we're deflecting from talking about sad things in these daredevil episodes, but there was this puzzle where there was this um, plexiglass table that had a maze underneath the plexiglass and you had to use a magnet to drag the key from one end of the maze to the other. Pretty easy, right? Once you can see the plexiglass table, except the plexiglass had a crack down the middle of it. So whenever the key passed over the crack, it fell and you had to like really mess with it for a while to get the the magnet to pick it back up. Then when you use that key to unlock the thing that it was supposed to unlock, that's what was not placed in the room. So there was nothing behind it. We just like thought we wasted our time. The people realized they didn't give us what was behind that. And then they came into the room like five minutes later. And then we got to the very last obstacle with like 60 seconds to go, maybe less than 60 seconds. And the knob on the machine had just recently been glued back onto it because the team before us yanked it off of the machine the crew there didn't realize until we were about 30 minutes into the room that they didn't fix that obstacle. So they went in there with a hot glue gun and they glued the knob back on, but it hadn't set yet. So when I went to grab it, I also pulled it off, got glue all over my hands. And the final screen, the final puzzle after you adjusted the knobs was a touchscreen puzzle. So I was using glue hands to try to finish a touchscreen puzzle in time. And I finished it about 15 seconds after they called time for the room. So we didn't get the money. We didn't get the money. They did refund us. So we all got to go back and do a room for free. Um, Well, Eduardo didn't because he left the state. Um, Offer still stands. Bailey didn't either. Bailey didn't because she left the state. <laughs> this was years ago. It was because, I know. for whatever reason, at the end of the room, one person was like, yeah, just put all the refunds in my name. And that's just who had all the refunds. And so when yeah. she decided she wanted to do another room, she could invite whoever she wanted, even though we all paid for the room and mm. we all deserve refunds. She didn't even do the damn room. She I didn't, sat outside the whole time. I didn't, I didn't realize that was the case. Oh no! But I have other reasons of being upset at that room. We should start this episode. I understand. Today we're going to be talking about <laughs> "Speak of the Devil," written by Christos and Ruth Fletcher Gage, and directed by Nelson McCormick. This is the wrong list. Nope. Hang on a second. I've got the wrong list. <laughs> hey, you said Christos Gage right on the first try. Uh, they are both. Uh, there it is. Today we're going to talk about the, <laughs> the Path of the Righteous, directed by Nick Gomez and written by Stephen DeKnight and Douglas Petrie. Uh, the One We Left Behind, Peach directed tree. by Euros Lynn and written by Douglas Petrie. Peachtree. Petrie. <laughs> Petrie. It's the little uh, pterodactyl. pterodactyl. Oh. I had that tree. trumpet from Pizza Hut when I was a kid. Oh. Anyone okay. else have that nostalgia? No? I think I did, too. Did we have I the had same? That one. I think we had the same fast food toys as children. Probably, I know, because I know we've already talked about the Mario 3 Happy Meal toys. The other day I saw the frosted Batman and Robin uh, Burger King mugs online, and I was like, whoa. And then I also saw the plastic Hercules plates. Oh, yeah! Yeah, that one. I had that one. Do you remember the Pokeballs from Burger King that had the gold-plated? Yeah. Had all six, baby. The Pokemon 25th anniversary is next year, I think it is. No, stop saying words right now. Right? Shut the hell up. Uh, it's just a fad. So here's um. the problem. 
<laughs> when I first started playing Pokemon, I was told I was too old to play Pokemon. So it turning 25 mm. is a really, 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 really bad thing. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, Man. God. Does oh, it make God. you feel better if probably people don't think you're too old for it anymore? Yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah. You're probably the right age group for it now. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with Wesley and Owsley at his side, an anxious Wilson Fisk carries a poison Vanessa into the hospital. Unconscious, she is taken into the ER while Fisk is left in the waiting room. A desperate Karen Page visits a battered Matt Murdock to tell him about her discovery. She tells Matt about Wilson Fisk's mother, detailing how Fisk killed his father when he was 12. Matt insists that he can't put him in prison, but Karen wants to use it to discredit him. She asks about why Matt and Foggy have been ignoring her calls. Matt says they had a fight, but refuses to tell her what about. In the hospital, Owsley expresses concern over Fisk's ability to lead the organization and state to Wesley. Wesley is concerned with finding out who attempted to poison Fisk and sends Owsley to ask Madame Gao if she did it. When informed that three of the other poison patrons have died, Wesley tells Owsley Vanessa will live because she has to. Claire stitches up Matt Murdock again, and before she leaves, tells him she remembers just one thing from Bible school. The martyrs, the saints, the saviors, they all end up the same way. Bloody. Technically, the martyrs all end up dead. I thought, that's, point. I thought that's what she was going to say. Yeah, I was like, yeah, bloody and alone. Technically correct, the best kind of correct. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> why not just go the whole way and say... Speaking of martyrs, okay, I'm just this is not related to the episode, but this is a fun fact I learned that I wanted to share with you today. Um, is it about Michelin stars? No, no, it's about St. Lawrence, uh, who was a martyr, and the legend says mm. that the way he was killed... A Martin, you're pronouncing it incorrectly. <laughs> you're not that far off, actually, believe it or not. Because this man, when he was martyred, uh, the legend says that they uh, set up a gridiron over hot coals and burned him alive. And while he was laying there, after a while, he said, turn me over. I'm done on this side. And now, <laughs> and now he's the patron saint of chefs and comedians. <laughs> wow. Also, he probably didn't end up bloody. Probably not, no. Just charred. <laughs> anyway, sorry. That's I read that today. I was like, that's great. That is the, how come no one ever told me about that in Sunday school? I wonder what his favorite Goosebumps book was. I was. <laughs> <laughs> well, Say Cheese and Die, they were grilling out on the on the cover of that one, so probably that. That's Stop true. interrupting this Goosebumps podcast with Marvel, Eduardo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry for that that interruption. Please continue. Karen and Ben Yurik meet, and Yurik is shown to still be angry over being dragged unknowingly to meet Fisk's mother. Karen tries to convince him to push the Fisk story harder to his paper. In the hospital, Fisk asks Wesley to make arrangements to send Vanessa out of the country for her safety. Wesley tells Fisk, I doubt that's what she wants. Fisk responds with, we don't get everything we want in this life. Wesley responds, some of us deserve to. When he agrees to help make the arrangements, Fisk thanks Wesley for his, for his help 
and seems to stop short of saying something more sincere. I love you. Yeah, do you think that's what he was going to say? I felt like it was going. That's where, and and, and I think then what happens in the next episode, I think, kind of confirms it. Uh, yeah, no, there there is a love there, definitely. They are homies for life. Mm-hmm. Mm. So not for very much longer. Yeah, right. <laughs> homies for a couple more hours. <laughs> Murdoch meets again with Father Lantham. Lantham confirms he knows Matt is the devil of Hell's Kitchen. Matt asks him why God would put the devil in him, and Lantham tells him, uh, tells Murdoch he believes God created the devil to become a symbol to be feared, warning us all to tread the path of righteousness. That's a good speech. I mean, it. This whole conversation backs up what I said last week about Matt fearing the devil and having to become the devil. I know. I wrote a symbol when he talked about wanting. To build a symbol, it's like, oh, we're not even hiding. No, Batman, Batman. Right. <laughs> <laughs> After the talk, Murdoch chases down Turk Barrett in the street and beats him for information on where Fisk gets his armored suits. Fisk receives a call from his mother, but hangs up to focus on Vanessa, asking Wesley to call her. Owsley tells Wesley Gao says she has nothing to do with the poison plot. When he insists Fisk get back to work, Wesley shuts him down. Wesley calls Fisk's mother and walks out after asking, wait, I'm sorry, who came to visit you? And Chris, this is when you, uh, you were a little, you were a little shocked. Yeah. I, I sent a message to, in our podcast planning chat that said, guess what part of the episode made me just write, oh no, without any context. And for the record, I had to stop and think how far along in these two episodes is he? Because as I'm sure you know now, there were about five opportunities for them to be oh no moments. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but, uh, um, I wrote the wrong name in the notes, but whatever. Uh, I'm changing it, even though it doesn't matter. Uh, but yeah, when, when he answered the phone and he said, who came to see you? I just wrote, I was like, I was just dreading what was going to happen next because one, we haven't seen him take matters into his own hands before. And I was like, okay, this, this could be bad. And he's already worried about Fisk because of everything Fisk is going through right now. And he doesn't want to trouble Fisk anymore. So he's going, so I'm like, oh, he's going to want to eliminate this, uh, you know, this, uh, this threat uh, you know now again i i said this last week i think that you know going for the bad guy's mother is not a good move even if you're just going for information like he's not going to take that well and uh, i was i think i was most worried about ben's wife because i figured that they were going to be the kind to like make others suffer to make you suffer for what you did i mean you're not wrong yeah as wesley will yeah. later say that's exactly what he was exactly he's like i will you know your lawyer friends this person that person your reporter for you know he's like just listing all the people and then when you have no tears left which kind of isn't that what loki said to black widow or something like that no i will yeah it's yeah, something pretty close, close. It, was, it was pretty close yeah but yeah but then but then he kidnaps karen and then I don't know how far I should go into. I'll, I'll just talk about it all here. It's in this notes, I guess. She shot him. She freaking shot him. I was mm-hmm. not expecting that because I thought 
that he wasn't dumb enough to put a loaded gun between them. But guess he was. He underestimated her. <laughs> I was like, I was like, so I did Maybe not. Maybe next see time, that estimator. <laughs> yes, next time. <laughs> there will be no next time. Yeah, uh, but but yeah, the dread carried over into the next episode for me too. So I don't I don't know if I should get too far ahead, but I, I just think they did a great job. Uh, like from that moment that Wesley found out that someone had gone to see his mother uh, or gone to see Fisk's mother. I was like, okay, this is where it's going to get bad. And it got so much worse, mm-hmm. I think, than even I thought it was going to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a great, great tension uh, throughout. And there are scenes in the next episode in particular, uh, and after this has all happened, where I'm sitting there waiting for something bad to happen. And nothing bad would ha- happen in that scene. But I was just sure that someone was going to like come out from behind a car and, you know, smack Ben on the head or something. But no, they found a way to be even worse than that. So, Yeah, I um, knew this was going to happen, so I guess I wasn't as shocked. <laughs> uh, mostly because Robbie, not so subtly, has alluded to it maybe 16 times on this podcast. So I think we, we all kind of saw it coming a little bit. You'd already but, seen this, uh, though, right? Yeah, but I didn't oh, remember okay. anything. Mm-hmm. But when we talked, when your reactions last week really steered me right in the direction of where this was going, <laughs> I was so sad. I, re- <laughs> I remembered the kidnapping part. Uh, I didn't remember how she got away. Yeah, that's interesting because her one of the things that stuck with me the most in this show was her shooting him. Like that that moment was. Uh, jarring kind of for the same reason chris said i think i i agreed that that you know oh it must not be loaded and then all of a sudden or or she's gonna screw up or she's gonna be sad and and this is all gonna get really bad and worse and daredevil's gonna have to save her and then all of a sudden wesley's bleeding in the chair it's like it's just so sudden Mm -hmm. that oh okay whoa my jaw dropped like i was also i want to point out um, without getting too much in, but her um, uh, her line, do you think, so, do you really think this is the first p- pers- time I've shot someone before? That line on first watch is just like, this feels like an empty taunt or maybe, uh, maybe something else is going on. When you get through season three and then go back and rewatch this, that line is uh, heavy. I will say that. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering because in the next episode she's talking to Ben and she mentions that thing you found when you were looking up. And I can't remember if they ever specified what that was. They do not. Um, And and I don't think I'll spoil much here, but they don't. You get some exploration of Karen's backstory and it's very, 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 very excruciating but they don't oh. spell it out until you actually see it. And because okay. there's a lot of twists in it, and so those twists are left unspoiled until you get to them so that they can cause you to cry and throw up. Oh, uh, great. <laughs> Two of my favorite things. Are you, are you talking about season three? Yeah, mostly season three. Oh boy, can't wait. <sighs> season three is great. I think season three is the best season, but uh, 
Um, the, the Aside Karen, from the crying and puking. <laughs> the Karen parts are rough. Um, well, good. But, uh, yeah. And so, related to that, I've definitely noticed on rewatch a whole lot of stuff for the next two seasons was just peppered in these episodes in ways that you don't notice when you don't realize what's coming. And then you rewatch, it's like, oh, it's that dude. I will hmm. tell you real quick, though, the strange dude Stick was talking to, yeah, he doesn't show up again. That's still <laughs> annoying. <laughs> After hanging up, Wesley asks for one of Fisk's bodyguard's gun and insists they stay and protect him while he goes out alone. The man in the mask finds the shop of Melvin Potter, the maker of Fisk's suits. After Potter loses a brutal fight, he begins crying, saying Fisk will hurt his therapist, Betsy. Oh, is that who it was? Okay, I I didn't quite understand who he was. I didn't realize it was I thought that was her parole, his parole officer. So I know in the comics it's her, it's his therapist. And I think maybe I was just assuming that. Also, real quick, I will point out that Melvin Potter in the comics is the villain gladiator who fights with saws that he throws. So, oh, that's cool. And he Why does make and he does make body songs. armor, but he's not like Daredevil's body armor. Person. In the in the comics, I I read this earlier. In the mm-hmm. comics, I think he just grabs saws, Chris, because I think <laughs> that he's like he's a person who's fed up with superheroes yes. and he just wants them to end. So he just creates like a mask and grabs whatever weapons he has and he tries to fight Daredevil and loses. Okay, yeah, I think they're allies for a while too. Interesting. Possibly. And I know he worked for Kingpin for a while. Oh, oh. And he makes, he makes, um, and this is a little bit of a spoiler and I'm sorry, I can't avoid it. Although it's not that much of a spoiler. He is also the one in the comics that makes, uh, Bullseye's Daredevil suit when Bullseye pretends to be Daredevil, Mm. which comes up in the show. I think I was aware of that. Yeah, so it was actually in the advertising, so it's not that much yeah. of a spoiler. Yeah. I, I appreciate the... Um, I don't know that I have a lot of insightful things to say about it, but I appreciate the um, the persona that they gave. Yes, Melvin. Melvin Potter. Very well acted. Um, I, I, I liked how he was um, personified, and I... Also was uh, happy that he drank a Yoo-Hoo. <laughs> so, hey, right here in the notes, I have, I love that Melvin is drinking Yoo-Hoo. <laughs> he, no, like, did, a... he like nailed half the bottle and like did like, the whole... Hell yeah, it's Yoo-Hoo <laughs> time, baby. <laughs> Yoo-Hoo's the best. Yeah. Yeah. I also like what he brought out of Matt. Um, you know, Matt was kind of sympathetic to him there yes. for, for a couple of weeks, yep. which well, was nice to I see. I think... I think Matt could tell that he, I almost put this in the notes. So if I go on, sorry, I think Matt could tell that he like, he could tell that he maybe wasn't all there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he could also tell because he broke down crying and, you know, Matt can tell when people are being sincere or not that he was really just doing what he was doing to protect the person that he loved. Right. So I just, I, I, I just really like his, his character. And um, I don't know, Matt, Matt kind of showed in that moment that, yeah, he does have the devil in him, but he's still a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was important. And and it also showed that Fisk really, that that Fisk would take advantage of a man like that. uh, Yeah. It's really reprehensible. Yep. 
mm-hmm. and they don't hammer that point home really, but it's definitely there. <laughs> Potter explains that Fisk makes a mixed up for him <laughs> and will hurt Betsy if he doesn't, or if he lets anyone else uh, see the shop. The man in the mask tells Melvin if he helps him, he'll stop Fisk and keep Betsy safe. Potter asks what to make, and Murdoch says, a symbol. Of a bet. Karen finds Foggy alone in a bar and confronts him about her information on Fisk and his fight with Matt. Now, Robbie, mm-hmm. I want you to talk about something so I can immediately disagree with you. So please oh my God. say what you're going to say so that I can immediately say that I disagree. Go ahead. I didn't think it was possible. <laughs> I thought it was a very agreeable point that was going to be boring. Um, I will say that writing writing the notes for this episode were kind of was kind of boring because it's it's until the very end. There's not really any sort of plot advancement or anything dramatic. It's just people sitting around and talking. Uh, but I thought all the talking scenes were compelling because of how great the acting is in this episode. Um, and it's from all of them. Vincent D'Onofrio is great. Uh, Charlie Cox is great. Rosario Dawson um, as Ahsoka is great, even if it's briefly. Um, <laughs> I really uh, the conversation between Daredevil and um, Father Lantum is particularly fantastic. But what I really, really love in this episode is Deborah Ann Wool. Um, I, I I love her performance as Karen through all three seasons um i just think she's amazing and i and it's wonderful and the reason i thought of it particularly in this spot is the way she asks foggy do you want to talk about it and he says yeah but i can't and there's just these two shots of her face that are just these very subtle but significant um expressions of the emotions you know as she kind of lights up a little bit when he says yeah and then gets angry again when he says, but I can't. Um, it's just one example that she just, the emotion she gives with her eyes, which are a naturally gigantic and blue. So it's an unfair advantage she has, but um, the emotion she's able to convey with her face is one of the things I love the most about this, uh, this series. And I loved her performances, Karen and, Karen is not my favorite character, but it's not because of the actress. It's just because of, you know, the, she's not the one running around in a red horned suit beating people up. And she's not the the giant fat bodybuilder evil guy. So she's not naturally a compelling character, but she just played so well. And so interestingly, I love watching Deborah Ann Wool play the role. Um, and I love the acting overall, but she was the one she's the one that really stands out to me. And in this corner, Eduardo. <laughs> it's fine. I know I'm right. <laughs> I think she's one of the weakest actors in the show. Okay. I like Oof. don't. <laughs> I don't think she's bad, but I don't think she's like particularly good either. Like, would you I don't go with think... the kid from the Mighty Ducks? He's towards the bottom as well. <laughs> Uh, the, the the two of them are towards. Here's the problem. The problem is that there are so many great performances in this this show, 
I don't find hers to be one of the more compelling ones because it, to me, and this is just me personally, it feels a little one note. She, to me, seems to typically play a lot of the same scenes exactly the same. Um, they're, they're always this, like, grief-stricken, like, person who, like, it just, I don't know, to me, I don't find her very believable. Uh, and I don't see what you're seeing in her eyes or whatever, whatever it is you're looking at. Uh, I don't see what it is that you see. Um, and I, I, I guess I'm just a little too dazzled by some of the other performances in the show, but I don't. Are you breaking up with me? <laughs> I just don't. I just don't see the Deborah Ann Wool love here. Like she's okay. Like she's she's okay. She's serviceable. She plays her role, but I don't think she's like particularly good. Okay. I don't, I don't know what to say to that. It's like if you told you me that to Rogue One was bad. Don't even. <laughs> don't pull me into this. Was it? It's not mm. that it's bad. It's just not good. Nope. We're not. We're talking about Goosebumps or Daredevil here. There's two <laughs> options. Look, man. I know Chris agrees with me on one of those two things. Yeah, it's definitely at least on one of those. On Goosebumps. I don't feel strongly about Karen one way or the other, I guess. I, I think she's good. I think that's kind of my point, is I just don't feel very strongly about her. Like, I don't I don't think she's bad, but I don't think she's, like, great. I think she's, like, okay. Like, she's an okay actor. Like, actor. like she, she does her job. She does what she's doing. She does it well. But, like, is she anything, like, to write home about? I don't think so. I think she's just... I think it's like Foggy. I think her and Foggy are very similar because like Foggy isn't like the best actor in the world, but he plays his role. He plays the comedy guy, and a lot of the times the comedy guy doesn't have to be the best actor because he's there for the funny. Um, thankfully, we get a few moments of him being a little bit more serious. We get a little bit. We get a little bit more, but it's still not. You know, mm-hmm. his acting isn't like the, what he's there for, right? Like he's not there to like be this like you know Shakespearean actor he is there to you know provide some moments of brevity and i think he plays his role well i think karen plays her role well but i think uh, uh deborah ann, uh, ann wool's performance is a little one note at times i'll ask her to do more labored breathing and talking about this city good <laughs> <laughs> oh boy that made it sound Jesus, like i do don't like vincent d'onofrio's acting i actually do a lot um, I don't know. I wasn't prepared for this fight. Yeah, or, no, me neither. <laughs> I didn't know it to be. I, I like her, but I, I don't know. I do think that she does a lot of the same things over and over and over in season one, but I don't. I don't disagree with that. I think that she's. I think that she's. I think that is her character. She's grief stricken. I mean, we meet her mm. after she wakes up dead, like next to a dead guy. Um, people mm. have kidnapped her multiple times like tried to mug her multiple times like i'd be freaking out all the time too yeah she goes through a lot of traumatic stuff yeah and now in this episode like her friends won't talk to her or each other like i i don't know i feel like she has reasons to keep being frantic um Mm -hmm. but i I don't put her at the top of the the act the performances either i don't know i'm kind of in the middle 
Stop what? saying the middle like I'm saying she's garbage. You guys keep being like, hold no, on. No, 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 we no, need no, to no. be peacekeepers here and be between Robbie and Eduardo while you I say the exact same things that I say. And then I go, just, but hang on. Well, you, pre you prefaced it with the dramatic, I think she's one of the weakest performances on the show. I think she's one of the weaker ones, yeah. I think she's like not close to the... Like, I don't think she's levels of like Yurik or Vincent D'Onofrio and even Charlie Cox sometimes, even though Charlie Cox can sometimes be also be a little one note. Um, I think he shows a little more range, <clears throat> but the problem I think is that there's such a large list of great performances in this show. And so, yeah, I think she's at the bottom, but do I think she's like doing a terrible job? No, I think she's pretty good, but she's just not at the top. Yeah, A solid performance. That's not a standout in a stacked ensemble. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm not saying she's bad. I'm not saying she's doing a bad performance. She's doing a bad job. She's doing okay. She's doing good. Okay. But she's just not, you know, the top of the order. That's all. Yeah, my my in-between comment didn't make it seem... I didn't mean to imply that you think she's a 0 out of 100 and Robbie thinks she's an 100 out of 100. I mean, I'm somewhere in the middle because I agree with you that she has a lot of the same things going on, but it doesn't bother me. I don't think it's a bad thing. That's all. I'm not like, no, you two are the extreme. I'm I'm going to be the 50. You're zero and Robbie's 100 and I'm 50. That's the mean, median, mode, average, and range. They're all the same thing. <laughs> that's, a, that's an inside joke from a tweet that we sent to the group chat earlier today. So sorry, everybody that's not the three other people in this Discord call. <laughs> Man. That so say like my, say cheese and die, right? I feel like yeah. that was like my weakest disagreement, but it seems to have stung the hardest. <laughs> no. No, nothing will ever sting like Guardians 2. No. No, the helicarrier was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I so think that makes the helicarrier didn't sting because it was so ridiculous. I can't take it seriously. <laughs> I stand by it, man. The helicarrier is boring. All right. Karen expresses anger at Foggy, wallowing in self-pity and not doing anything about this <clears throat> and letting his friendship with Matt fall apart. She storms out and calls Matt, but when he doesn't answer, she calls Ben, who gives her a reassuring pep talk. As she tries to enter her apartment after hanging up, James Wesley appears from behind and abducts her. Karen wakes up in an empty warehouse at a table. Wesley sits down across from her. Wesley turns on Peak Smarm and expresses that he <laughs> Peak Smarm and expresses oh, that two words. Peak to... Smarm. Yes. <laughs> okay. Boy, it's Peak Smarm over here. <laughs> I didn't know what you were saying. I was like, what the fuck is Peak Smarm? <laughs> <laughs> I like to bring out one word in episode that I'm worried Eduardo won't understand, but that was not it. That one's, it's coming. Oh boy. So look forward <laughs> and to it. expresses that he wanted to have Karen silenced, uh, but she was considered too small time to do anything about it. He puts a gun on the table to threaten Karen and tells her how much Fisk loves the city and that he is here to help. Do you know why he loves the city? Because I understand. It's because he's able to go and get two <laughs> diet pokes. <laughs> A roll of paper towels and some peanut butter M&Ms. Uh, while I'm here. So, that's why he loves the city. I don't know why Wesley doesn't get that. 
can't do that anywhere mm-hmm. else. Where else can you do that? Right. We keep this topical on this podcast. Mm-hmm. To the squad up group chat. <laughs> hey, hey, that person was, as Robbie said, the main character of Twitter yesterday, which is, as you know, what you never want to be. <laughs> True. Every right. day there's a main character and you just have to hope it's not you. <laughs> right. The goal of, every day on Twitter, there's a main character and the goal is to not be that person. <laughs> Karen's contempt turns to fear only when Wesley indicates he knows Karen and Yurik visited Fisk's mother. He tells her he isn't going to kill her. He's going to offer her a job using her skills and connections to Yurik to help create good press for Fisk. When she refuses, he tells her he will kill everyone she knows and loves, including Foggy and Matt, before he kills her. A phone call interrupts Wesley's threats, and Karen springs up and grabs the gun, pointing it at Wesley. Wesley remains arrogant, and Karen asks him, do you actually think this is the first time I've shot someone? When Wesley stands up to attempt to continue to talk, Karen unloads the gun magazine into his chest, killing him. As the Fisk attempts to call Wesley, Paige runs out of the warehouse. The Fisk? (laughs) I don't know why I wrote the... I don't know, but I read it. (laughs) I trusted you. Look, this scene has a lot of emotion. There's a lot of like shock. There's a lot of like shit on it, Eduardo. <laughs> I can't believe this happened, but also Wesley is a moron. <laughs> what well, you... Fisk should have hired a millennial who gets too easily distracted when he gets a phone call. He takes out his gun. He leaves it on the table. And it's this whole conversation, and he doesn't, it's not even like close to him. He puts it in the middle of the table. Like a 50 50 chance that he'd be the first one to reach it. And then he gets distracted by, and then he like gets distracted by it. And then he's like, Oh, do you really think I'd be that stupid? Right, not only but he was the, that stupid. Not only just put the gun there, but when the phone goes off, he doesn't need to answer it, he can move the gun. Then check the phone, but he doesn't. All right. I feel weird because I want to defend Wesley right now. Do it. I dare you. I'm going to. I dare devil you. Do it. You won't. Oh. Okay, listen. I know that this is funny and it, it is really stupid. You're not wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. What I'm saying is, and I know this is weird because I've spent this whole series talking about how Wesley is slimy and like kind of disgusting. But in this episode, I know we've jumped around a lot, but I'm going to go back to near the beginning when near the beginning, we jumped to the end. Wesley like really genuinely cares about the situation at hand, right? Like he's worried about Fisk. You can tell that they're friends. We think maybe that they were going to do the whole exchanging of I love you's uh, whatever that might have been. You can tell that he's genuinely concerned. And so it's kind of weird because like underneath whatever slimy exterior he has, like there may be a bit of a good person in there or at least a good friend, if nothing else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe not a good person, but a good friend. And I think that, yes, everything that you just said, Eduardo, is so true. Like he really fucked up. but i think that the phone thing was more deep-seated than just like ah millennial distracted by phone it was he's legitimately concerned about his friend 
and waiting to hear about what's going on with Vanessa. So the phone rings and he's like, oh, my friend might be okay. And that's when it all slipped up for him. I, I don't know. It's weird defending him because I actually do hate him. But it's just like, uh, there's something about, like you can just tell how sincere his friendship is and how much he cares about Fisk and by consequence, Vanessa and their well-being. And he pays for it because he let his emotion get to him. Also, just to add to Eduardo's excellent point about the stupidity <laughs> of this smarmy man. Also, the line, the line uh, where he says, uh, you were paid generously, well, generously for you. That wasn't necessary. But why did he go off and do this on his own? Why did he go off and like, all right, I'm going to go handle this on my own. Like, just whatever. Because he cared about his friend. That's what I'm saying. He went off to take care of this because he knew that Fisk wanted to be around Vanessa. So he was trying to do a thing for his friend. Like he was trying to make something right for his friend. Well, how'd that work out for him? No, well, when, it didn't. <laughs> when he says generously for you, is he making fun of her because she's poor? Yes. Or is he saying we'll pay you yes. 60% as generously as we would a man? Probably both. I took it. He's that. still an asshole. <laughs> you know, it could be the gender gap that, uh, you know, if, we, if we'd kidnap Ben, you know, we'd give him a better offer. He's got more seniority. <laughs> so, no, Eduardo's right. But also, how much of a, like, a fist pumper is this moment of... Because we have definitely been engineered to hate this man. And yes. for Karen to just make him eat his stupidity. <laughs> I'll say the first time I saw this... It was just like a jaw on the floor right. moment because yeah. of the combination of, oh shit, he dumb, <laughs> and oh shit, Karen let him let him have it. Right. Like it was a combination of that. The second time, you know, I had remembered by this point how it happened, so I wasn't as surprised. But, um, yeah, I mean, he did deserve it. I'm not trying to say he didn't deserve it. <laughs> so putting the gun down on the table, what is that? What does that do? Like, what does that do that pointing it at her? Or even just showing, I have a gun in my jacket. What does that do? What is, do I have your yeah. attention now? Like, what, what, that's not how guns work. Does he not know how guns work? Does he not, what's. I think he could have been just. Karen knows. <laughs> Karen he does know been, how guns work. <laughs> he could have been just as effective showing her, like, what he did like threatening her with it and then putting it back in his pocket because she wouldn't have been like an npc in a video game where the gun goes away and she's like he doesn't have a gun right mm -hmm. i don't see it anymore he doesn't have one <laughs> he could have kept it in his hand if he wanted to have easy access to it i can't see the gun. i'm watching this and i'm like i don't remember what happens and he takes out the gun and he points it at her and i'm like Oh God, I don't remember how this goes. How's Karen gonna get out of this? I don't remember. And then he puts it on the table, and I'm like, Oh wait, that's how she gets out of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I feel like you're, I feel like you're ruining like the most, one of the most dramatic parts of this whole series. But you're right; it's just so. And I know he's arrogant, and I know that's why it's happening because he's arrogant, and he probably sure, doesn't sure. actually expect the stupid girl to handle the gun. And good job, good job there. But what a dingus! Also, the when he stands <laughs> up, like he was kind of probably okay before he decided, 
I'm going to stand up. Like, what? Like, I know you're doing probably a pretty good job of, like, bluffing that the gun's not loaded. Don't be stupid. But then you're going to stand up and scare her? Like, okay, yeah, good good job, idiot. Like, scare the girl with the gun that's pointed at you that maybe he didn't know it was loaded. Maybe he wasn't that... He's not too stupid to put an unloaded... No, he knew. I know. He took I know. it from I'm the guy that got beat in the face. <laughs> yeah. You know, the thing is, like, you can tell her that it's unloaded... And if she's intending to shoot anyway, then the worst outcome for her is that she pulls the trigger and nothing happens. The worst outcome for him is he gets shot six times. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) It's really shocking. And the first time you watch it, I'm sure you're like, holy crap. But just think about it for just a little bit, and you're like, it's, "No, it happened it's to me the first logic. time." The first time, it was shocking, and but then I'm just like, "But why did he do that?" <laughs> uh-huh. From the first time I was watching it, I had the, not quite to the same irreverence as you, but it was definitely just like, "Well, Wesley, what was your plan?" <laughs> he was only got, contracted I... for nine episodes, and they had to figure out how to get rid of him. <laughs> Yeah, he just bluffed wrong, man. I think he just bluffed wrong. He sh- yeah. he should have been much more calm after she had the gun. Like he should have done a listen. If you kill me, they're gonna find me right. and they're gonna get you. Right, correct. That's what he should have correct. said. Not mm-hmm. not to be like that's not loaded. I'm gonna no. come get it. No. What does killing <laughs> What does killing me solve except put a bigger target on your head? I'm yeah. offering you a chance at uh, survival. Yeah. You want to throw that away? You all would make much better murderous henchmen than James Wesley. I mean, this is a dream. I've I've often thought that. I'm not going to lie to you. I think I could murder someone and get away with it. Uh, Beaches, you're bald. You could be the kingpin. I'll I'll, I'll be your Wesley. Uh, you know what? If I keep... It's not a romantic. I'll be your too. Wesley. <laughs> you can be my Wesley. All right, yeah. It rem- I love you, man. It reminds- I'll wait in the hospital lobby with you. It reminds me that I had the same thought in something. I don't have a girlfriend. I had the same thought about something that yes. Soundlord wrote. Let's go art shopping. <laughs> All right. I had the same. Sorry, we're making. I'm plans. sorry, Ryan. No, no, no. It's fine. I had the same thought about something. We're Soundlord in the middle of a bit. Wrote in the notes um, later when he's talking about Leland Owsley, about how criminals are stupid and that's why they always fail. And I remember being at one of those like, hey, it was when my when my brother and I were kids, and we were it was probably some Boy Scout function or something. And we were at a, a, a police precinct and a, pol- a policeman was talking about, I think it was the detective, talking about going to crime scenes and finding fingerprints and stuff. And I remember my brother, who is an asshole, um, raising his hands <laughs> and saying, why don't the criminals wear gloves? And I, I will never forget the detective looking my brother in the eyes and saying, because criminals are stupid, son. That's why they're criminals. <laughs> You know, I had that thought in the next episode when she threw the gun in the in the river. Like, does that work? No, is it that no, easy? To I have that in my about- notes. In my notes is I'm not from New York, but can you really hide crimes just by chucking things in rivers? Like, <laughs> <laughs> just do that. Just chuck stuff yeah. in rivers. Buy evidence. <laughs> Most yeah, ninety percent of murders near rivers go unsolved. Not a lot of people know that. Wesley died because oh, he's stupid. Man. <laughs> uh.
he should he shouldn't have uh, you know lived by a river if he didn't want to get shot. Yeah, he should have thought about that. Yeah. The next episode begins with Karen tossing James <laughs> Wesley's <laughs> It's almost like Harry Potter breaking the Elder Wand in half and tossing it over the bridge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Except it didn't break any of your hearts. That was a stupid change. People who don't yeah. live in New York and don't have rivers, how do you dispose of your murder evidence? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, will you write into the show, please? Yeah. Tell us how you got away with murder. Right. Please. We won't tell. Operators are standing by. <laughs> Welcome to Assembly Required Murderthon 2020. This is our best episode ever. Taking your calls. Oh, boy. Behind. She goes home, takes a shower, and drinks alone in her kitchen. Unable to sleep, she wakes up and finds Wilson Fisk in her apartment, taunting her over how addictive killing a man can become. She wakes up, realizing Fisk was just a nightmare. Adult. I have thoughts about that scene. They'll be brief. I knew it was a dream. It was very obviously going to be a dream. It was very predictable. How did he act like the Wilson Fisk that we know when she's never met him? <laughs> um, what if he acted completely different? He's like, ah! He yeah, no, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. She has a perfect image of a guy she's never met in her head. Like, that's... Uh-huh. Well, Including his killing movie. style. Well, she, um, she saw him on TV. Yeah, but still, for him to say something like, it gets easier. I mean, that's a very Wilson Fisk thing to say. She would know that that's what he's like, yeah. and also, I'm I, that whole time when she's in bed, I was imagining the director off camera saying, "Okay, keep your eyes closed, but really move those suckers around," because <laughs> like you could see her eyes like shaking beneath her eyelids, and it was a little frightening. It reminded me of uh, that scene in the Mummy when the scarab goes into uh, oh, Benny's armor, <laughs> yeah, and he has to take a knife and just like, uh huh. I knew a girl. This was her eyeball. I knew a girl who that scarred so much when she saw that that, like, for the rest of her life, I don't really talk to her anymore. But I knew I kept in touch with her for a couple decades. Like, if something touched her, she would scream, "Flesh eating beetles!" <laughs> oh, <laughs> because boy. of that scene. <laughs> what a what a response to things. Yeah. yeah. What a forgotten movie series. We should make a a mummy limited edition. Run. There you go. I enjoyed the first yeah, two. I think the original I think was I, a yeah. very underrated movie. I agree. It's a real fun adventure movie, and they, they don't really make adventure exploration right. movies like that anymore. I have it's seen fun. neither of them. Really? See the first oh. one. I've, I've been on the ride at Universal. Oh, I mean, the ride's I mean. good too. Yeah, the, the, the ride is a B movie, like, right? The girl. I remember, like the the story doesn't like right. completely line up with the first one, right? And the second one because it was like she was Nefertiti, but then she wasn't, and she was somebody else, and then it was like not exactly who it was in the first one. It was a little confusing, but also I watched the second one a lot more than I watched the first one because the second one seemed like more of a comedy. Mm. Uh, <laughs> also, only the second one has cgi scorpion king dwayne johnson yeah. and that's the best part of those two movies so 
You know, I mean, that movie gave us the film career of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Were not for him, we wouldn't eventually have a Jungle Cruise movie, perhaps, someday. Was that his first movie? Yes, that was his that first was the, movie. That was his first movie that he ever did. Yeah. Oh. He was already a wrestling star by then, but... Yeah. Yeah. That's how he, he broke into Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And it honest, So it, like, was twofold. So he went over, did this movie, then comes back to WWE redoes his whole persona to be like a snobby movie guy reinvigorates his wrestling character (laughs) because of one movie where he didn't really have a line (laughs) well and that's like the whole point is that he's so arrogant when he doesn't even like talk in this movie he's like barely in it and then he like reinvigorates his wwe character and then goes off and does even more movies the the brilliant thing about dwayne the rock johnson is that even then he was self-aware you know, like he know, like, and like when he like moved on from wrestling, it's like all of a sudden he revealed. By the way, turns out I'm hella charming. <laughs> you know, like, I can tell you since I worked at a location that he was stopping by a lot for product knowledge from a future potential product of his. Uh, he's hmm. pretty charming in person too. Yeah, I you know so I. Not that I regret any major decisions I've made in my life, but sometimes I wonder, what if I just waited another year you would have to tried. make some large decisions? Could I have been best friends with Dwayne The Rock Johnson? Probably not. But uh, You don't want to play that game. That game gets really sad sometimes. Oh, yeah. Let's move on then. <laughs> best friends with Dwayne Johnson? Yeah. No, he, apparently... You're best friends with me. Yeah, but... I'm like... Peach is the... Tiny Pebble. Come on. <laughs> I'm like Peach is the little pit. Can you <laughs> little pit? Can you kind of tell what the tiny pebble has put in the microwave? <laughs> Why do I have a microwave, Robbie? <laughs> it might not be of any consequence when he put in the microwave. <laughs> I'll give you the people's mustache. <laughs> oh, you turn up one end of it. <laughs> turn up one end. You know, and I then do even... like some arm motions and then turn up the other end. <laughs> I never even watched wrestling, but when I was in middle school, I had a lot of friends who were who were big WWE. It was WWF back then, before the pandas sued them. Um, but um, uh, they were big uh, wrestling fans, and I would always be like, so what did The Rock do? And I remember standing in my middle school band room, which had these gigantic mirrors on the walls, and teaching myself how to do the eyebrow. <laughs> <laughs> like, I made myself learn how to lift one eyebrow. <laughs> that was pretty good, honestly. I wish the listeners could see that. Do that again. Oh, that's pretty good, man. Yeah, yeah that's pretty good. Yeah, you know, it, Let it's, the it's record like show he did a successful eyebrow. It's true. Yeah, but it's a it's a useful skill to have to be able to just uh, sit there and just kind of one eyebrow. You know, that's a good way to let people know that you are perplexed by them. <laughs> Apparently, Walt Disney used to do that all the time. I hope I hope everybody listening is picturing Chris, aka the Sound Lord, in the black turtleneck with the chain. Uh, like well, I got the leaning pack. on the chair yeah. with the fanny pack, and oh, he's doing like a, the, the eyebrow like thing, like a Thanksgiving balloon. Yeah, that apparently yeah. wasn't real. That 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 was a whirlwind. I was only half paying me. attention and absolutely thought that that was a real thing that I had seen. 
No, he's Young Rock like on a, NBC he's Zoom. Like a commercial for his new TV show about his life. It's also, like it's weird that that exists. That the things you're saying about to me his are life. Fake. Yeah. The guy that they got to play his dad looks just like his dad. He looks just like a lot of the people in his family in that show look just like them. Yeah. It's impressive. And and they're bringing a lot of other wrestler, you know, personas. Like, like I saw like the, the production still of the guy playing Andre the Giant. Does anybody want a peanut? You know, here's a fun little Dwayne Johnson fact. So he, um, the people's elbow is one of his like moves in WWE where uh, Peaches is alluding to where he does the thing and then he does the elbow drop. So that move was like, they have these things called house shows where they like, when they're not televised, they go and they do arena shows. They're just not shown to TV and they perform matches and stuff. And um, it was him, Triple H, and I think like one other dude. And what they would do every time they would do these house shows is they would try to get Undertaker to break character. And so they would do the dumbest <laughs> possible trying to get him to break character and laugh. And that's where the people's elbow came from. <laughs> he tried to do the most ridiculous thing really? you could think of. That's yeah, there's a amazing. whole interview where Triple H is talking about this, where he's like, you're trying to do the most ridiculous thing you could think of. And that's what he came up with. And it that's... was to try to make Undertaker break character. And it Did just it sort work? of caught on. And now it's one of his signature moves. So Did it work? Weird. I don't think so. Apparently, you he know, like uh, Undertaker was like n- notorious for not breaking character. He was very like stone faced. He also talks about in the same interview how like if you think any moves hit, the people's elbow hurts more than any of them because sometimes he'd accidentally slip and actually elbow the crap out of you. And, like, oh. <laughs> Elbows I, are pretty I, sharp, especially if he's coming at you with speed like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. I guess since I don't know much about WWE, are the are the house shows canon? <laughs> they are, but nothing canon. ever happens in them. Okay. <laughs> the house shows are canon, but nothing like no titles ever change on a house show. Okay, nothing of significance ever really happens on a house show. It's just like okay. yeah, I mean, it's like a filler episode. Do you want to be the person okay. to go to the people that went to the house show and say, "Hey, what you saw, what you saw is basically the original Grand Admiral Thrawn. You just have to forget it. It doesn't matter to you. Yeah, doesn't matter. But we'll bring it back in a different way later." <laughs> And you'll like it. You'll still like it. This episode has gone. We <laughs> are twelve different ways of off track. The people's there are my favorite tough bumps. man. I can't even see the rails anymore. <laughs> we they're they're just all so dark, and we're all trying not to be dark and be happy because it's twenty twenty, and so it's hard to yeah. be stuck in the darkness for so long. We know where this episode is going. Yeah. And, oh boy. Well, unable to cope alone in her apartment, she goes to the office of Nelson and Murdoch. Individually, Foggy and Matt both apologize to her and vow to keep going after Fisk, but the two do not talk to each other, and she does not tell them about killing Wesley. In the hospital, Vanessa comes to. Vanessa comes to. <laughs> it was it was the hospital Vanessa she came to. to, and then she came to. To be fair, both are correct. And Fisk came too. <laughs> To be fair, both are correct. Uh, I love the English language. I hate the English language. But she did not not come TWO. Keep going. We don't know that. (laughs) Stop it. Stop. It's a mystery. 
you to stop right now. <laughs> I can't look at you. <laughs> Eduardo, please salvage this podcast now. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Mom and Wilson Fisk apologizes to her and tells her he plans to send her away she says she knows being next to him is a risk but refuses to leave if he doesn't come with her come to her <laughs> um, I saw that line right before you read it I was already getting upset <laughs> Quick! how quickly can I delete it Uh, When Fisk vows to make the people who attack them suffer, she says, I expect nothing less. Yeah, she's gone full Vanessa. When she could have been upset about him trying to make uh, life-changing decisions for her, like she's not her own person, but she's fully under the thrall of of, uh, Wilson Fisk. Yeah, I think that line is chilling. I think maybe she did. Under the Jaina of Wilson Fisk. (laughs) That was a joke <laughs> only for peaches. Uh, <laughs> there's so many jokes happening at the same time. I liked both of them. <laughs> <laughs> More work. Uh, when Fisk leaves Vanessa's room, his bodyguards alert him to find Wesley's body. Fisk brutally beats the bodyguard who allowed Wesley to leave, screaming, he's my friend, over and over. He tells Leland Owsley to find out who did this, then emotionally holds his dead friend. Now, Peaches, you already touched on this a little bit, but you gotta got you kind of got some feels for uh for Wesley here. Oh yeah, I don't have anything to add. I what I what I was I, I wanted to talk about it in the first episode because Wesley isn't alive to show any emotion in this episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, you can see it reciprocated to here, which I guess kind of adds to the point. Um, not only in the fact that he mercilessly face punches Francis. I mean, poor Francis. First mm-hmm. of all, he was cursed with the name Francis. And then he got face punched so much that he's all scarred up the next time you see him. Yeah. But then he like is just sitting there with Wesley and wants to be alone and like kisses him on the forehead. And it's just like just hanging out with him. Like you, you can tell that they they must have gone like way back, you know? Um, very and I don't tender know. moment, which was surprising. Yeah, yeah. and you, and you don't often see male affection portrayed in such a way. No, uh, especially so... from a dude who smashed a dude's head in with a car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you don't expect that, and it's and it's weird too because he goes from being torn up about Vanessa to being okay with Vanessa for a split second, and then the Wesley thing. It's like. You almost for a second feel bad for Kingpin too, because you're like, he can't catch a break. You but... almost lost the two most important people to him in one night. Right. Um it's weird to have so many characters that are villainous and very clearly slimy, where you're also like, Man, I kind of feel bad for him. But also you suck. But also, damn, that sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like... So yeah, I don't really have too much to add about that. There's just my thoughts from the episode 11. Well, you know, that's even how Matt felt in the in, in the last episode we talked about that, how him seeing Vanessa and how she and Fisk interact, it gave him pause because he realized that, oh, wait, he 
cares about someone, someone cares about him. So I think it's natural for people who are good people, like I like to think that we all are, um, and, and we like to think Matt is, that you would have the feelings of empathy for a person, even if they're a total monster. Yeah, I agree. The man in the mask surprises Ben Urich and asks him for information about the heroin he found on Mrs. Cardenas' killer. <clears throat> Urich is able to give Murdoch information on where he can find the blind traffickers the Chinese are using and tells him of Mrs. Gao, though not her name. Uh, Matt what, what, ben... what, oh, sorry. I, I was going to say just at the beginning of the scene, Matt uses an expression, and, and I forget what it, what it was. I was like, we went the full round or something like that. I don't, that's not what it was, but it was some sort of boxing metaphor. Oh, right. He he and, says, yeah. And he says, oh, you sound like a, um, he goes, you sound like a boxer. And Matt kind of smiles and says, always the reporter. And I was like, oh, he's going to figure out who he is. And no. <laughs> no. I really was like, oh, I can't, I was like, oh, I want to see more of Matt and Ben working together. I want, I want Ben to figure out who he is. But to be like that cool guy that's like, oh, I know the secret, but I'm not going to report that. But It's nice to want things. It is. <laughs> but in 2020, you can't always get these things that you want. No. Nor in 2015 when this TV show came out. Matt warns Ben to keep his head down, as Fisk is a cornered animal likely to lash out. Karen meets Yurik in his apartment and tells him he needs to publish the Fisk story now because Fisk knows about their visit to his mother. Yurik protests, but agrees to write it and show it to his editor in the morning. Foggy meets with his ex-Marcy, who works for Fisk's legal representation, and presents her with the evidence Yurik and the, devils have, uh, the Devil of Hell's Kitchen have put together. Marcy is moved by it, and Foggy tries to convince, him to, to convince her to tell him if anything has been fishy at the office around Fisk. Yes, speeches. Can I just say that while it is very apparent, I think, to all of us that Marcy is kind of a bitch and not really the type of person that any one of us would likely typically associate with, Foggy spent the first, like, eight episodes talking to Matt about how Matt always gets attractive women, and Marcy is is good-looking, yeah. so he can shut the hell up. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because was it, was it the this episode or the one before where... He wakes up in her bed. I was like, oh, he's been, uh, they've been uh, going through each other's legal briefs. Right. <laughs> that, is what, that is what you call it in the law field. Yeah, no, it's true. I would not. <laughs> you, can, you can confirm with, uh, with your wife. She knows such things. Yes. I examine legal briefs. briefs all the time. <laughs> it was went the distance. Do you find every evidence? Yes, evidence? Uh, yes that's true. I want the distance, distance with her legal briefs. <laughs> oh. oh, boy. <clears throat> Objection. Objection. <laughs> Wilson Fist asks his mother what she talked to Wesley about as he escorts her to be flown to Italy, which she is unable to remember. Yurik meets with his editor, Ellison, about his article, but when Ben passionately defends it, Ellison angrily fires him. Masked Matt Murdock follows a trafficker to Madame Gao's hideout. When he attempts to rescue the blinded workers, Gao has them attack him, which was terrifying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just yelling. 
He manages the corner gal who tells him the workers choose to be bl to blind themselves because they believe in something beyond the distractions of this world, and now he has taken that from him. When he attempts to grab her, Gao easily subdues him with a single blow and escapes. Because Gao is crazy. Also, real quick, mm -hmm. is Gao in the Iron Fist? Okay. Yes. So this stuff makes sense if you watch Iron Fist? Okay, I I'm not going to do it. Okay, I'm just asking. So in my notes, when he, when she says, I'm going back to my homeland, and Owsley says, China, and she goes, considerably farther, I wrote Kunlun in my notes, so I assume she's like some sort of mystical She is person. part of Iron Fist, and she's into Defenders. Yeah, that's right. She is okay. in Defenders. Oh, I guess you gotta watch Iron Fist. Have fun, I buddy! Will not, I will not do that. <laughs> don't, do don't do it. No, don't do it. Sad. When he attempts to grab her, Gao easily subdues him with a single blow and escapes. The blinded workers are taken in by the cops as a gasoline fire destroys the facility. A cop attempts to arrest Murdoch, but he insists he is not the enemy and escapes. Gao and Owsley meet on a roof. The two discuss their failed plan to kill Vanessa to free up Wilson Fisk's focus and their fear of him finding out. Gao says the man in the mask ruined her operation and she is going to her homeland, which is considerably farther than China, leaving Owsley angry. I remember, like, low-key last week, because I've said it many times, but I don't really remember what happens here, but I, like, kind of started to be like, was Owsley one of the ones behind this thing? I thought it might have been Wesley for a second. I was like, I remember this being a thing, but I, don't, I couldn't remember what it was, and then I was like, oh, right, it is Leland Owsley. And then it makes it really funny how he reacts during the party and <laughs> in the hospital. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. And he thinks how desperate. And how he just drops his glass, and he's like, "Oh no, oh. my glass!" I thought him being like when they're in the hospital, going, "I had a glass in my hand. Should I be checked out?" <laughs> uh, I, I wrote in my notes that I was like, "That was the most rich white dude line in that scene until Fisk actually yelled, Don't you know who I am?'" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Ozzy's kind of a slime ball, isn't he, Chris? Yeah, he is. Which is why I've actually been entertained by him every time he has showed up in this entire series. Just something about him. His voice, his demeanor. Just wait till he gets his razor He's... claws. Oh, let's hope. <laughs> I, you know, there was something about him that didn't quite fit in with the rest of Kingpin's criminal band of misfits. Um, but I found it very enjoyable. Um... But then the, the reveal that he and Gao were, were in cahoots and trying to move Vanessa, like, it, it didn't surprise me. It was a twist, but it was the kind that as soon as it happens, you go, okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense that they do that. Um, but I, I do have to wonder, like, how is it that he, he is able to say get away with saying things to Fisk that nobody else would even dare? He's sarcastic. He's... A bit of a jerk, um, but but he gets away with it for some reason. I don't know if it's because he runs the financial, so he has maybe more power than maybe even he realizes, or maybe he's fully aware of how much power he has. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's uh, as Robbie alluded earlier that I remember that's that criminals always end up turning on each other, and that's why the supervillain team ups always fail. Uh, so now you've got this infighting. You've got you know. Fisk was trying to unite all these factions for his goals. And you have to wonder, did he take into account that they have their own goals too? 
and that any one of them would turn on any of the other ones to to complete their their tasks their goals get what they want uh just as he would turn on them as he did with the russians i mean he started that whole thing he was the first one to turn on any of them um he just thinks every, every one of them thinks that they're they're ahead that they're smart enough to to beat the others except for maybe alzi i think maybe he's only smart enough to know that no he couldn't take on the others so he's going to align himself right. with whoever he thinks is going to have the upper hand and whatever's going to benefit him i think he's just very confident that his control yeah. of the books makes him safe ben Yurik visits his wife in the hospital to tell him they should run away to paris in a lucid moment she realizes he has a story to tell and needs to stick to it he tells her that he was fired and she says she doesn't need the paper that he doesn't need the paper he can go get his story out on the internet she tells him the world needs Ben Yurik to tell the truth any way he can. Yurik calls Be- uh, Karen to tell her he's going to start a blog and post his story tonight, and he'll call her in the morning. Except that's not going to happen. Nope. And Peaches, this is... It was at this moment we knew this episode was not going to be a fun episode. I really thought you were about to take that in a different direction. Actually, real quick, since you said that, Soundlord, did you know at this point? No. Okay. okay. So I spent. I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought that he was going to get killed or jumped or kidnapped or something. The moment he hung up on her, I spent that whole scene holding my breath, going, "Who's going to get him?" And then the scene ended, and they moved on to someone else. And then we got home. I was like, "Something bad is going to happen. Something bad is going to happen." I didn't anticipate exactly right. how bad it was going to be. Okay. Sorry, Peach. I just really wanted to hear that after what Eduardo said. You're fine. I'm just going to say that the that the whole episode is hard to watch because, like, Karen had already been kidnapped in the previous episode, and you know that, that Wilson is now on the warpath to figure out what happened to Wesley. So you're not, like... Seeing Karen get out of the situation does not put you at ease for what might happen to Ben because you're mm-hmm. still, you know that they're that Fist's going to find out that Ben is involved. So at every single moment in the episode where people keep sneaking up on him, you're like, oh, Ben's going to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just don't know when or how, or you're at least very worried about him. And so the whole episode is tough because, you know, you know what he went through. You know that he didn't even choose to visit the place where Wilson Fisk's mom is. He was tricked into going there. Um, when he was confronted by Fisk, he lied to protect Karen. Mm-hmm. And then he died anyway. And so it's sad. You're anticipating it. It was a very undeserved death by Ben. He did everything right and still died. And they did a very, what I think is an effective ending to the episode. Uh, very like Game of Thrones-esque, where after Wilson chokes him out and walks away, straight to credits, no music. Just credits. And yeah. I think that that made it that much worse. Because I, I, I can't imagine someone is watching this show and doesn't at least think Ben is a good guy. Maybe you don't have an emotional attachment to him because 
uh, he's not really a main character. He's just like a, he's a side character that has a little more side action than some of the other characters do. I'll say, I think he was my favorite character, but yeah, but he's, he's very easily likable and he doesn't, he tries to do the right thing all the time. So it just, it just is very sad. It's hard to watch. And I think that's why, honestly, the events of the last two episodes, I think, are why we spent this podcast episode kind of like going in and out of joking around a lot more often maybe than we usually do because it's hard to talk about all this sad stuff, you yeah. know? And it's hard to it's hard to watch it, even if you know that it's happening. Um, yeah. I'll say that I didn't think he was going to die. I thought Ben Yurik was too important to kill. I didn't think that the daredevil show would kill off the key daredevil character in the first daredevil season i well we did establish that we did establish too at this point they had already slated for a season two right well or had we I, not i don't remember i no. didn't watch season one until season two was out i watched season one and two together so so for me definitely absolutely there was a season two i just assumed ben yurik was in season two it's yeah I was so sad. I was so upset. I, I, like I said, he was probably my favorite character on the show. I, I've really enjoyed his storyline and all that. And I've just been so worried about him ever since Karen dragged him to that nursing home. And now I fully understand why Robbie reacted the way that he did. Yeah. When I when I went off on my rant about how it was completely unfair of her to do that to him. Yeah, since you're already doing this, I am going to just uh, cut Eduardo off in the pass so that he can end this episode dramatically and say that um, I'm using, I was going to use my time to ask you for your reactions. <laughs> so oh. since you're giving them, <laughs> please keep going. Okay. Because I just, how, <sighs> when you oh. said you were mad at Karen... I cannot tell you how much that felt like a knife into my heart since I knew what was coming. And I knew that you probably had no awareness of how mad you were going to be at Karen. Yeah. (laughs) I'm mad at her, but I'm also really sad for her. Right. He was like the one healthy adult in her life. Right. (laughs) Oh, 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 man, you're going to be so sad for future Karen. (laughs) Yeah, it's like... It's a weird mix with her because, like, yeah, you're mad at her because she dragged him into it, but also, I mean, maybe she should have known better. I, I don't know. I was going to say, like, maybe she just didn't expect it would get that extreme, but she should know how extreme Fisk is. She talks mm-hmm. about it every other sentence. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's the one who woke up next to a dead body in the first episode, right. as you said. Right. She should have yeah. known that this was dangerous. She is... Much like Matt and much like Fisk, she has gotten obsessed with her her quest to the detriment of her own safety and the safety of others. Yep. And, you know, this is why Stick tells Matt that, you know, you need to push everyone away. This is why Fisk tried to stay in the shadows, because other people will get hurt. Right. And it just so happens that she's the one who has suffered this consequence more than any of the others. Oh man, what a and I'm gonna rant just for a moment yeah. about Netflix. I'm gonna rant about streaming services and their insistence on 
immediately ending the credits yes. to send you to the next episode. I always scramble for the uh, the remote to to stop that, and it never stops it in time. The credit. I am the sort of person I watch the credits every movie I see, even even if I know there's not going to be some kind of gag at the end of the credits, like there are in the Marvel movies or whatever. Uh, you know, I like to listen to the music and watch the credits and use that as sort of my digesting time, as it were, uh, to, to ruminate over, over what we've just seen. And to have this dramatic thing happen and for it to cut to black with no music and the credits start, clearly that was an intentional choice. Like Pete just, excuse me, like Pete just said, and it was, a, it was a very good choice, I thought, to give you like this moment of silence to really think about this horrible thing that has happened. And then watch next episode and the bar moves so quickly to just get you out of the next episode. And, oh, skip the intro. It just starts going before you're ready to watch it. Can you turn that shit off? You can on Disney Plus. I've never paid attention on Netflix. I'm going to have to look. I have it turned off on Disney Plus. I'd like to turn it off, too. It happened with, like, The Witcher also. And I was like, no, I want to... I want to enjoy this, right? Yeah. Or, right, or that, and you decide, or you decide you're done, you're ready to go to bed, and then the next time you watch an episode, it's going to start like three seconds into the episode. That's what keeps happening to me with Avatar, by the way. And oh, that's, yeah. Whatever, that's a small annoyance, but it is an annoyance. It's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I am yeah, pro opening and closing too. titles. <laughs> some shows too, when they do the skip intro thing, they like skip a little bit more than the intro or they don't skip enough of the intro or they just don't do it right and like i don't want that to be automated either just let me watch the freaking intro my favorite was when i was uh binging clone wars and binging and binging rebels on disney plus and it still gives you the skip intro option even though the intro is literally five seconds dun, 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 dun. <laughs> uh, it's like oh if i hit it fast enough i might only hear two notes <laughs> <laughs> yeah It'll take longer for it to buffer and get to the to the after the intro than to actually watch the intro. Also, I think you went over this, but I want to get it from you kind of in this distilled moment since you're the one that this mm-hmm. is all new for. Um, what was your reaction to Wesley and being killed by Karen and were you ready for that or like well, again, how did that I, hit I... you from a shock standpoint? Well, my jaw dropped because, um, because, as we said, I thought that the gun wouldn't have been loaded if he was going to just give it to her. Um, but also, I was surprised when she, she pulled the too. trigger. So it was it was a very shocking moment. I'm pretty sure that I gasped. You know, I remember I was just sitting there with my my mouth open, going, "Oh, you know." And are you completely uh, invested for the finale? Oh, absolutely! It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> When the uh, I'll tell you what when when Ben's sitting there typing and it's just quiet I'm like something bad's gonna happen and the camera started to slowly Ugh. pan over I'm like someone's gonna be behind him mm-hmm. and then it was Fisk I was not expecting it to for him to have shown up personally right. but then when he said you brought my mother into it I'm like okay yeah no it absolutely makes sense that he would show right. up personally for this well and Ugh. the way the conversation is like civil you start thinking okay. Fisk has principles. This is going to potentially uh-huh. be a bad situation, but this isn't Fisk has bloodlust. And then, then the way yeah. he just snaps when he starts screaming. Uh-huh. It's... All right. <sighs> Eduardo, You're do the bad stuff. Begins typing when he is interrupted by Wilson Fisk sitting in a chair behind him. 
Fisk tells him he's made mistakes and has tried to atone for them, but he wants to make a conver- to have a conversation with Yurik. He apologizes for thinking Yurik was irrelevant and tells him he admires its principles. Fisk then tells Yurik he uh, he learned he was fired thanks to a plant he has he has been paying at the Daily Bulletin. He asks Yurik if he was alone when Ben asked visited Fisk's mother. Yurik refuses to answer and figures that must have been the plant eavesdropping on his conversation with Allison. When he tells Yurik he cannot forgive him for bringing his mother into it, Yurik tells him he has been threatened by a lot of people and that hasn't kept him quiet. Fisk, up until this point, having a civil conversation, shouts at Yurik he is not here to threaten him, he's here to kill him. The crime lord lunges at the reporter and brutally, slowly strangles him to the death on the floor. As he leaves, he steps on a shattered picture frame of Yurik and his wife. Credits. Yeah, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like leg shaking and like... Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Takeaways. Peaches. What's your big takeaway from these two? Man, I, <clears throat> I didn't write anything in takeaways. Uh, I noticed most of us didn't write anything yeah. in takeaways. <laughs> I noticed too. I think it's... I think there's not much to take away because those two episodes are so like traumatic and um, and full. They're just full of emotion and sadness and events in conversations and in, and other things that it's like the the way that the credits are effective is you're just kind of sitting there just sitting there you know like you know some like back to game of thrones when uh the mountain fought the viper after that episode you just kind of sat there and you didn't do anything for a little while (laughs) because your brain had to process it so that's kind of where i'm at with the big takeaway is that like just still sitting here processing it (laughs) we have one more to go and uh i guess i guess we'll see how all the fallout uh, like what happens after all this fallout? But does anybody else actually have a takeaway that's not just oh shit? Yeah, mine was him. <laughs> mine was yeah, these were much. rough, and I don't know what to say. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like the, these episodes, it's building to something yep. big. It feels like I'm probably gonna go ahead and watch the finale and not wait for you guys. But well, why? What are you waiting for? We, we were all gonna. We don't. It. We never watch it together. We never yeah, sync I don't up. What I wanted the audience to think we do that. Oh yes. Well, well now the magic on. is ruined. That's <laughs> unrealistic. Next, you're gonna tell them we're not in the same room. I would never tell them that. <laughs> How dare you? I think that's gonna do it for this episode. We'll leave it nice and somber. Yeah. If you want to email the show, email us at, at assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com. Follow the show on Twitter at assemblycast. You can follow each of us individually at philkid3 for Robbie, gatorsax2010 for Chris, the underscore peaches for peaches, and at abcdeduardo1, or just abcdeduardo for myself, not the one. Just, just forget that. Why did I mess up my own? Out of all of the things for me to mess up, <laughs> I messed up my own Twitter handle. That's hilarious. You haven't logged in. Uh, for myself, for Robbie, for Chris, for Peaches, we love you 3,000. Bye, everybody. Bye.
Excelsior. Hail Hydra. Boobily boobily.